0: You are Locked On Wildcats, your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday, Tucson, and thanks for keeping it Locked On Wildcats. I am your host, Mike Luke, and a lot of people said, when are you going to have Jason Sheer on? Here's the thing. I heard your complaints. I heard your worries, and Sheer doesn't know it, but he's going to be on two times a week, and this is the first time. This is the first part of that two part commitment. Jason Shear, how are you doing, my man?
1: Do I have this under contract? You do have yeah. it under. You do have
0: no. it under contract. Okay. Yeah. No. Either. Well, but you know what, Jason? When you are the biggest U of A sports uh, personality slash website, do you really need anything under contract? Doesn't your work speak for itself?
1: Yeah, I'm just saying, you know, I got to make sure I I make time for you whenever yeah. you need it. That is a good point. Yes.
0: So let's talk. We generally will, well, not generally. We're all, almost always going to talk uh, U of A basketball to lead. But this is one time we're going to talk a little bit of U of A football and talk about what we saw from the spring scrimmage. And then we're going to get into some U of A hoops. We're going to talk Ty Ty Washington, everybody's favorite person. But Jason, I came away from the spring game thinking a couple things. That really wasn't a game. It was certainly more for show. And when I watch this team, it's, it's going to take them a while.
1: I like how Jed Fish was asked about like his analysis for the game. And he's like, I don't know. I was throwing water balloons at people in the stands. <laughs> like That is 100% by design. It's basically saying, look, we're going to throw a ball to the helicopter. We're going to bring alumni back. We're going to do this, do that. Don't pay attention to the game. We're not analyzing it. We're not talking about it. And, and it's pretty obvious why, you know, watching the spring and all that.
0: Yeah. When I watch this team too, you just, the thing that you really worry about, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday, is that Fish is recruiting at a pretty, at a pretty high level for Arizona. I think that's, I think that's fair to say. Is that fair to say?
1: Yeah. in point for Arizona is the key there.
0: Yeah. yeah for, for Arizona. So, but my next question is, and this is what really kind of concerns you a little bit, is what are you going to do about the quarterback? Because I look at both those kids out there right now, when you're talking about Gunner Cruz, when you're talking about Will Plummer, neither one of those guys really look to be the guy. Now, you've got McLeod coming in from South Florida. He's certainly going to be the uh, that hopefully that guy this year, because neither one of the previous two inspire a ton of confidence. But... Tell us a little bit about the quarterback they have coming in the following season, because you got to think that he's going to be given every opportunity to win that starting job.
1: Yeah, I mean, your hope during spring ball is when you have a quarterback competition is that there's separation, and really there wasn't. I mean, Gunner Cruz and Will Plummer got all the snaps, but there wasn't any, you know, point where you're like, "Man, this guy's better." At one point, it looked like Gunner was better, and then Will really closed the gap. And even Fish said, um, "It's." it's just not, there's no separation there and be prepared for a war and all that with, um, with Jordan McLeod. And it's even Jordan McLeod, like he'll come in and I actually think he has a really good shot of winning it, but they need to address the position. They address it with Noah Fafita, who's a dual threat quarterback. I think he's good. Um, He's five ten. He's a little short. So there's some concern there, but um, if I'm them, I'm trying to get another quarterback and, And really kind of opening up the competition for the following year. Because even if the cloud's good, there's not that guy on the roster where you say to yourself, man, like this is the franchise quarterback. We're going to have him throwing passes the next two, three, four years.
0: You know what's weird is that I look at the wide receiver position and I actually, again, it's not like it's USC. But I actually think between Jamari, who had a big catch, Stan and Brian Castile. And Tavion Cunningham, who has at least shown in the past that he's a little bit of a gamer, there's some potential there. It's not like you're totally void of talent. I think with Drake Anderson and Michael Wiley, you're you're, you're average, I think, probably by Pac-12 standards. But if you don't have the quarterback and it's just a comedy of errors, I don't even know that having an okay supporting cast around him is really going to make any difference.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's two key. You're like, you said the wide receivers are fine. Joyner, Cunningham, Castile, Barry Hill. like that, that group is perfectly fine. Nothing wrong with them. I put them up there, you know, top half of the conference. Um, the running backs are fine. There's plenty of depth there. Jalen John, Drake Anderson, Michael Wiley, Bam Smith. Like, they're, they're fine. The problem is the offensive line isn't going to be very good, and the quarterbacks aren't good enough to make up for that issue. And so it doesn't matter how good the running backs and the wide receivers are. The passing game is going to struggle when you have guys that aren't really great to begin with um, being forced to make quick decisions because of a mediocre offensive line. And um, it's going to be an issue. Now the, the offense is pretty quick hit. It looks like from, from what we saw in the spring, there's not like these long developing plays, which is good. And uh, it, it could wind up helping Arizona, but, it's definitely a concern when you mix the quarterback play with the offensive line, it is by far the biggest issue on the offense. And it's a, it's a big one.
0: It's going to be fascinating to see what Don Brown does this year or this coming year with his defensive players, because we always would joke about it with rich rod, that there were smaller guys along the line and, you know, it just wasn't good enough. It certainly didn't look right. And, and, While the line is a little bit bigger this year, I think it's fair to say than some of those Rich Rod teams, it still doesn't look the part. But more so than anything, I think this season, at least from a defensive perspective, is going to come down to the three pass rushers. And you get Trashawn Hayward in from Western Michigan this summer, and along with, excuse me, along with uh, Jalen Harris and Anthony Pandey. One or two of those guys needs to emerge and probably combine for about 12 to 13 sacks between two people because I don't really see anybody else on the roster that's going to be able to get after the quarterback like that.
1: I think this is Jalen Harris's year, like it has to be. And Don Brown, the other day, when he talked to the media, said that he gives Jalen Harris crap about how many sacks he got last year because the answer is zero. Um, he has to get to the quarterback like six, seven, eight sacks that has to be in the number. And with this defense. Um, if they don't lead the conference in sacks or come close to it, that means that they're just getting absolutely killed because they're they're going to be blitzing 50% of the time, um, if not more. And, and they're going to be the most aggressive defense in the conference, and there's going to be moments where that isn't a good thing, um, but it's a necessary thing, and that's just how Don Brown's defense is. And you need Jalen Harris, Anthony Pandy, Hayward. You need those guys to step up. You need Trevon Mason and Bards in the middle to be able to – to put some pressure on the offensive line. And um, I think the players are there for the most part. Like, I don't think Arizona is going to have a dominant defense, but the issue is when you sit there and you say, okay, who's behind Jalen Harris, who's behind Trevon Mason. There's no clear answer. I mean, this defense is like a one deep at most positions. And uh, that is a bad sign for a defense that blitzes us as, as much as this defense is going to. So Um, it's a big concern, but yeah, like Jalen Harris is the guy to me. He has to step up, and he has to lead Arizona in sacks this season.
0: Jason Shear is a big fan, as we've talked about, of Rock Auto, rockauto.com, and if you're not into rockauto.com, you should be into rockauto.com because they give you all the parts. As we've talked about, his lovely wife Shelby has been going there, getting parts, and the great thing about it is, the Shears, while being technologically sufficient, are people, though, that they want things to be a little bit easier for them. I think that's fair to say. And rockauto.com has everything in the Jason Shear house covered. Thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke, with Jason uh, Shear co-hosting. Again, like I told you, Shear's going to be on twice a week. Jason Shear's cool. If you're not on Wildcat Authority, you should be on Wildcat Authority because that's where Jason Shear gives you the best knowledge known to man. All right, some U of A basketball time. Let's talk about Ty Ty Washington, five-star point guard out of Phoenix. Mike Luke noticed on Friday night that uh, Ty Ty Washington was on campus, and that spread like wildfire. And then Saturday, he was obviously pictured on campus. It seems Arizona's got to like where they're standing right now with Ty Ty there, uh, Jason.
1: Yeah, so I know there's some controversy because his dad went on Twitter and said it wasn't a visit, and I think people need to know that unofficial and official visits are illegal right now. So what that means is Ty Ty's on campus. That's not illegal, but he can't go in any facilities. Um, he can't talk to the coaches or run into them. So that part's illegal. And so his dad wasn't with him. His parents weren't with him. So technically it's not a visit. With that being said, the kid spent 48 hours on the Arizona campus with Dalen Terry, who's on the basketball team, and that's obviously a good sign. He's got friends on the football team. Um, you know, I, I crystal balled it because I think that Arizona is in the best shape, but from what I understand, Kansas and Kentucky uh, are also in there. I think Kansas more than Kentucky, but it's probably Arizona and Kansas right now, and I think with Arizona, you're saying, look, your family can come watch you at games. You already have f- friends, good friends in the program. One of your best friends is on the team. By the way, you're starting at point guard and getting 30 minutes a night, and so to me, um, the pitch from Arizona is clear, and and I think Arizona is in a in a relatively good spot for him right now.
0: Yeah, and he it just seems that this is just a natural fit that everything kind of just fits here because you've got playing time, you can stay here, you've got a new coach, and honestly, it's a pretty quick way to the uh, to the NBA if you're looking for a place where you won't go in and get swallowed up and play thirty minutes a game. Not that Ty Ty Washington is thinking about getting swallowed up, but you still get the point. Arizona, I think, just checks off more boxes than K- or than Kentucky or Kansas, as weird as that is to say.
1: Well, with Kansas, they have Hickman and and Kellen Grady. I'm sorry, with Kentucky, they have Hickman and Grady, and Calipari's made it known you can be a you know five star top five player, but he's going to play the best five star on the team, and so there's no guarantee that Ty Ty comes in there and, and is playing over those guys. Whereas Arizona. I'm not saying that he's scared of competition because he's not, but the competition is much more limited at, at Arizona than it is at Kentucky. And, um, you know, like you said, he, he's one and done. I think the offense fits him really well. He, he likes to dribble and all that as a point guard, but he's not a ball-dominant James Akinjo type of guy. And that's not an insult to Akinjo. It's just a difference in offensive philosophies. And so if you're Washington, you got to assume that the, the most seamless transition is to Arizona.
0: Now, Tibet Gurner has announced that uh, he will be transferring from Arizona. I don't know that that really surprised anybody. Uh, Gurner was always a guy to me that you took, you know, hoping that maybe he could develop into something. But just watching him last year in games, it didn't really feel like if Arizona was going to be Arizona basketball that Tibet was ever going to be playing a ton of minutes. And I think that uh, Tommy Lloyd, not Tommy Floyd, uh, probably – laid that out in nicer terms than I just said.
1: Yeah, I mean, they took him with the idea that they had pretty much redshirted him, uh, even though the redshirt in basketball is like, kind of dead by now. But um, he, he didn't gain a lot of weight. And, and with the coaching change, you go in there. And uh, I think what's happening is Tommy Lloyd, we don't know what scholarship sanctions there's going to be. And so if you're Lloyd and you come in and you don't play to bet, and then this year, later this year, you get a scholarship sanction and you get a scholarship taken away, well, now you just lost a spot because Tibet's going to transfer and you can't replace them. So from Arizona's perspective, it's, look, you're probably not going to play for us. You can go to a, a school where you're going to get more minutes, and then they can go and fill that scholarship with the guy that they feel will be here for two, three years. And Tibet's probably going to wind up at Santa Barbara. That's my guess. Pastor Nick offered him out of high school. And uh, in reality, that's a, a much better fit and probably where he should have gone in the first place.
0: All right. Now. Let's talk a little bit about Arthur Kaluma and this is what's fun. Can you explain a little bit about what Dream City High or Preparatory Academy in Phoenix is and why this matters so much to University of Arizona fans or
1: should? Yeah, so Dream Prep is basically like the, you know, the the prolific prep of Arizona, the IMG of Arizona that, you know, these are the new things popping all over the country where yeah, you go to school, but it's a it's a basketball academy, basically. And um, Dream City is the the guy that finances it. Happens to be a dad of someone that is going to be joining Arizona staff. And while that doesn't make Kaluma, you know, a lock to Arizona, it obviously gives an in, in uh, of sorts. And uh, Arizona is going to recruit him. His older brother is Adam Psycho, who's on uh, what's San his Diego what's his name. So it's, it's S E I K L. I like calling him psycho. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but Adam psycho sounds great. That really does. Yeah. So we'll go with that. But his older brother's on San Diego state. And so they're going to be a player and that kid is good. And so that's why, like when people are breaking down the roster on the website, I'm like, I, I don't know. You can't do that. Like it's too early because Kaluma's a top 40 guy who fits in perfect with what Arizona is going to want to do offensively and defensively. And if he commits, you're going to have to probably move some things around and figure it out. But um, as of, you know, 24 hours ago, it was, it happened so soon that I don't even think they've talked yet, but th- he's definitely going to be a guy where, you know, with three scholarships available now, Arizona is going to reach out and, and see if they can get him.
0: All right. Now, if you get Arthur Kaluma, what does that do with the roster? And I hate to be blunt here, but do you basically tell somebody to get lost?
1: Yeah, I, I don't even know if you have to tell him. Like, you know, I don't mean you – I don't like doing this, but if you're bringing in Kaluma and he's starting at the four, he's not a five. He starts at the four. You move – let's say you just move to Bellas and play him at the five or you do what every other college basketball team does and lie and say you have two forwards, whatever. If you're a Coloco or Jordan Brown, you're probably thinking twice and saying, look, they got Balo. They got Kaluma. There's not a lot of room. The other guys return. Like, what What am I doing? And I think Coloco is probably more likely – than Jordan Brown to think that um, maybe Tommy Lloyd says, look, Paolo's a year away and you're still going to get minutes. But um, it's, it's a difficult thing. If you're a guy like Coloco going from playing 20, 25 minutes a game to being 15 to 20, um, that that's a big difference for these kids, especially in your junior year, or whatever it is. And, and so I don't think they would have to necessarily tell a guy to get lost. I think that these guys would sit down and be like, you know what? Maybe it's kind of time to go elsewhere.
0: All right. I look at this team though, Jason, and I think to myself, man, This I don't know that Tommy Lloyd could be walking into a better situation from a roster perspective, especially with Ben Matherin back. And let's be honest here, Kirk Caruso, who we're going to talk about throughout the week, just seems like a Gonzaga player. He seems like a guy that Tommy Lloyd's going to really like.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've had limited workouts so far, but they love, they love Kerr. I mean, he's he's going to play, I don't know how many, but uh, he's going to play quite a bit and you know, you, you take a look. And it, yeah, like I was just telling someone before we got on the podcast that I think Arizona is going to make a run next year. And it's going to be very interesting to see how people react with the whole Sean Miller, Tommy Lloyd situation. Like, does Tommy get all the credit? Does Sean get some credit? Whatever it is. But that's the situation that this is building to because this roster returned. Um, the guys that mattered at least returned. Um, even if it, they get tight and to replace Akinjo, that's about as good as you can get in this situation and and they're going to be one of the top two, three teams in the conference and good enough to make a tournament run, and it's, it's a perfect situation for Tommy Lloyd.
0: And I look around the rest of the conference, and I'm thinking to myself, a lot of these coaches got to be thinking, what exactly, how did this guy step into that? Because think about the other coaches that have stepped in here. You had Sean Miller that basically had Nick Wise, and he had to scavenge and get a bunch of recruits at the last second. You had all this turmoil. So this is a team that I think is going to be good immediately. I don't know how good immediately, but let's just talk about Ben Matherin for a moment. Ben Matherin, I think, is going to be an exquisite fit here for what Tommy Lloyd wants to do. And I think, honestly, for a guy who's not really a ball handler, who's a three-point shooter and a one- or a two-dribble-drive type guy, that's exactly what Tommy Lloyd is going to try turn him into, I believe.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a great fit. And The thing with Ben was he was really only a jump shooter last year and and gets out in transition, and that didn't necessarily work all the time in Sean Miller's offense, but that's perfect for what um, Lloyd wants to do. And and I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy that challenges to lead the team in scoring because I think that, again, you know, it's not a knock on Miller. It's just there's different offenses and different fits, and I think Ben, in a way, is a better fit for what Tommy Lloyd is going to want to do, and I I think he's going to be a a very good player in the system. And, and you got to keep in mind, like we're talking about, does he start at the two or the three or the, it doesn't matter. I mean, they're, they're pretty similar in this system. Um, and they're all going to get a of touches. And you saw it even in that first video that was released on purpose, the the part where Tommy Lloyd says, you know, swing the ball. I don't want you dribbling too much. Um, you know, they had like Jalen Suggs on Gonzaga and he never over dribbled like ever. And, and so it's just, and he could have, purpose. yeah, he could have. Um, and, and so it's just a situation where they're always going to be moving the ball. And if you're a guy like Ben um, who could spot up and hit that corner three and also get out in transition, uh, you're pumped. And that's that's why he stayed.
0: He's Jason Shear, and Jason Shear is the man. You should be following him on Wildcat Authority if you're not. And we just gave you some tips for betonline.ag where you might be able to get some money on Arizona being better. Jason, thanks for hopping back on, my man. Thanks for having me. You're listening to Locked on Wildcats.